Ready for some word? Good deal. If you have your Bibles with you, your Bible apps, go to Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. I started a couple weeks ago a new series called In Control. So I'm going to get back with that today. I, I think this is uh, a top shelf important message, okay? Like I always say, I think they're all important. You don't want to listen to a preacher who doesn't think what he's saying is important. Uh, nevertheless, of all the things that I preach, I, I just I have a hard time not ranking this one up there way at the top. And for this reason, for this reason, it has a dramatic impact on people's day-to-day lives when they, when they get this truth, right? Jesus said, you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free, right? But how I many know there's some truths have a greater impact on us? They do. This is one of those that has a huge impact. I realize some of you, you're going to say, I already know this, but never cut it off because you've heard it before. And some of it is going to, some of you, I mean, might even make you uncomfortable because you've heard so much the opposite of this uh, if you've been around Christian circles very much. And so it'll a little bit be a challenge to your thinking, uh, but we're okay with that. I don't know about you, but I like that. I like someone who will challenge my thinking, even if I come away saying, no, I'm still right. <laughs> uh, if, at least we got to be open for, for God to speak to us, right? So, so in control, Matthew 28, verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. All right. So uh, the, the short summary of this, well, the part of it that I want to emphasize is right in the middle of the Great Commission, Jesus is saying, all authority has been given to me. So in essence, I'm giving it to you. Okay, that's one of the parts that people have missed out when they read this. They say, they come away saying, Jesus has all authority. Well, hold on a minute. If that's all he's telling you is I'm it, I got it, then why would he give us an assignment? In other words, why would he tell us to do something we don't have the authority to do? You can't give someone a job without empowering them to do the job, right? But he did that. He said, all authority has been given unto me. You go, therefore with that authority. You go with what I have. You go with my authority and you do my will. You do my work. And this is standard operation uh, with heaven. Okay. God doesn't do everything. He assigns. He delegates. He gives the general direction. And with a large part of it, he gives us freedom to carry it out how we choose. Yeah. But it is an important principle. Now, last week, I was teaching you about God's original plan from Genesis 1, how God uh, gave dominion. It was his design that over all his creation, mankind, male and female, would have dominion on the earth, that they would not be ruled, but that they would rule. They would be in charge of all the animals, and the scripture even said, over all the earth. This dominion was supposed to happen. And so Adam was not only in control of his own being, he was in control of God's creation. That was God's choosing to do it that way, all right? But as you know, his act of disobedience to God 
and obedience to Satan by eating of the forbidden tree basically changed the order of authority on planet Earth. Instead of God, man, now it was, uh, you know, God still retains his point, his spot, but he delegated and it was no longer mankind ruling the earth, but Satan took that place. Remember, you, you, you become a servant to whom you obey. Satan obeyed Satan. Uh, Adam, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> obeyed Satan and basically subjected himself and all of his descendants to a curse, to be in, in, a, in, a, in a lesser place, and that's how Satan rules. He was basically handed the keys to rule over all the kingdoms of the earth, and, and that's what's been going on ever since. Now, Adam didn't have the moral right to do that. It wasn't the right thing, but you can see God gave it up. God let him do it. How many know the Lord could have jumped right in the, in, right in the middle of that, right in the middle of the temptation and said, no, 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 stop, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But he didn't. He gave him the right to do whatever he wanted to do with what he had given him. And in this case, he gave him control. He gave him the right to choose. And, uh, and so Adam did, we could say, have the legal right to do what he did. What was the legal thing he, do? he did? He transferred what God gave to him over to Satan. He authorized Satan. The very proof that Adam once had it is found in the fact that Satan then had it. When we come over, we read this last week in New Testament, how Jesus multiple times referred to, to Satan as the ruler of this world. The ruler. Why would Jesus call Satan the ruler of this world? Okay. Well, because he was. He was just, he was just stating a fact. Well, God didn't make him ruler. Why would you do that? I mean, talk about bad employment hiring policies. <laughs> I'm going to create this earth. Let's see. Who should we put over this? Let's go with Lucifer. No, God didn't do that. He put Adam in charge of it. Adam hired Lucifer <laughs> and uh, basically gave it away. And, and that's, that, that's what happens. That's why the, the power to rule has been in, in Satan's hand. And, and, and he has a, now has a right to be here, okay? He has a right to be here, but as I'm going to show you, for a limited period of time. It was like a lease. You can, you can, find, you can discover through, I don't know, through putting the scriptures together that God didn't get him, didn't give Adam dominion over the earth permanently, that he gave it to him on a temporary basis. Now, thousands of years, but on, on, a, on a temporary basis is how he did it. And this is why we can look around the world and any, um, you know, objective person would look around the world and say, no, I don't think God's running this place. It looks too different than heaven, <laughs> with no sorrow and no pain and no, 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 no suffering whatsoever. This place does not exactly resemble the character and nature and love of God in a complete way. There's a whole lot of trouble. And, and why is that? Well, because the ruler of this world is the devil. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's why there's wars. And that's why there's heartache. And that's why there's murder. And that's why there's suffering. It's even why there's uh, climate chaos. Uh, and I don't mean that in the political sense. Uh, Weather, let me just say it with weather, because people do weird things, you know. I don't want to go there. Uh, but with weather disasters and, you know, God didn't create tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes. and All that's part of the fallen world, not under his original design, right? Everybody okay? All right, so that's the way things are now. Uh, but, but let me show you this principle of, of Satan 
getting the right to rule and how it, you see it in various parts of Scripture. Um, Luke chapter 4, would you take a look at that one with me as well? If you're there in Matthew, then you're close. Pass by Luke's house, pull into or Mark's house, pull into Luke's driveway. Luke chapter 4, and this is when Jesus was being tempted. Remember, he was baptized in water. That time he was filled with the Spirit, and immediately he was led into the wilderness. He was tempted by the devil. And so, if you ever get filled with the Spirit, by the way, and you get tempted afterwards, smile. Say, I don't like that. I know, but you're just like Jesus. All you, can, all you need to do now is overcome. And when it's all over, you come out in the power of the Spirit. So, so don't be surprised. It's, it's, it's funny sometimes we, we get surprised when, when things get hard. Man, I just committed my life to the Lord. Like, I made major decisions for Him. I'm going on with Him more than ever before. And all of a sudden, bam, I get sideswiped. Well, so? I don't mean so as in it's not a real issue and I understand, but smile in the midst of it and say, I must be pretty powerful. I must be a threat to the work of darkness for him to try to stir up trouble for me. All of a sudden, these people are being rude and people are cutting me off on the road. And Well, that's just living in Idaho. But, uh, uh, but I mean, if you have some kind of hardship or something like that, just smile and say, yeah, I'm going to overcome this. I can see what's going on here. Trying to knock me out of my place. Trying to keep me from, from walking in a full, committed, spirit-filled relationship with God. And so anyway, Luke chapter 4 and verse 5, it reads, Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory. This has been delivered to me. And I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. So the words of Satan are interesting here. And I know Satan's a liar. And you say, you can't believe what he said. However, he is talking to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. <laughs> uh, Jesus could easily just call him out on that and saying, uh, by the way, that's a lie. I'm the truth. And I, you, you think you're going to pull that one by me? I mean, that's not hardly even a temptation. So what he's saying to Jesus, he knows he's talking to someone who's in the know. He knows he's trying to tempt someone who has information, not a lack of knowledge. And so when Satan says this, it is accurate in this regard. He's, he, he says here uh, that all this, all this authority, he said, has been delivered to me. Well, who, get, who delivered it to Satan. Who gave us all this authority to Satan? Well, the answer is Adam did. Okay, God wouldn't give it to him, but Adam did give it to him. And he was accurately describing something that he did have. And, 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 and why, why was this then a temptation? Why even use that? Why even use this against Jesus, a temptation that if I can get him to, uh, to worship me, I'll say, hey, I'll give you all this authority. Because he knew that that's what Jesus came to get. He knew that the Lord's plan was for him to come in and undo what Adam did. Everybody know what I'm coming? Go, go, going to here? See, Satan's trying to give him a shortcut. Trying to, and Jesus knew. I don't know how much Satan knew. Not the whole thing for sure. But Jesus knew he was going to be brutally tortured, 
He was going to suffer. He was going to die. His redemptive work was not like a cakewalk. And this, huh, temptation here. I bet it wasn't a temptation for more than a millisecond, but it's because he's Jesus. But, you know, to, it's, he's providing him a shortcut to getting all the authority back that he came to get. Yeah. Sometimes we have challenges with shortcuts too. Bend this rule because we think, oh, the outcome. It's the outcome. That's all that matters as long as we arrive in the same, the right place. No, it's not only what you do, it's how you do it. It's not only what we get, it's how we get it. And sometimes if you're ever tempted, come on, stay faithful to the Lord. Stay faithful, have integrity. Don't bend a rule here. Don't cheat here. Don't break the law here. Just stay in take. Don't step on anybody else. Trust God in the middle of your, a middle of your life and he will exalt you. He will promote you. He'll get you where you need to be and, and give you the things that you need when you're there. Sometimes it takes a little longer than the shortcut though. Just like driving. When you drive, you can take the shortcut. But, you know, in life, many times the shortcut is a compromise. And we don't need any compromising Christians. We need fully committed, fully devoted, like Jesus. He said, I'm taking the long road because this is the right road and this is the only one that works. But uh, this was his temptation to take this shortcut. And, um, and that's ultimately what he came to do was to get back this authority. In fact, uh, John wrote in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, uh, he said, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Okay, so sometimes people say, why did Jesus come? And there's, there are multiple answers that are true, to seek and save the lost, so forth. You could, you could say that is, that is also true. But John described it here by inspiration of the Holy Spirit that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So it wasn't just to redeem mankind, to destroy the works of the devil. I am sending you, the Father to the Son, I'm sending you to undo what Satan did. Some translations will use that word undo right there instead of destroy the works of the devil, to undo them. So his ministry was not just about healing the sick in the moment, about opening the blind eyes and the deaf ears and raising the dead and, and doing all these wonderful things. It wasn't just about that. It was about going back to the root cause. The source of all the problems was that Satan had gotten a foothold into planet Earth and was ruling in the kingdoms of men. And Jesus was sent to undo that. God gave it to Adam. Adam gave it to Satan. And Jesus came to get it back. That was his mission. And so... Uh, uh, that's why Satan was trying to get this disrupted and, and done a, di a different way. Um, but like we said, it could, be, it could be said that he came to undo the works of the devil. You might think, well, if, if God is God, why didn't he just do it from heaven? You know, couldn't he do it from there? <laughs> as, opposed to, as opposed to, for this reason, the Son of God was manifest. This reason Jesus showed, this re reason Jesus came. Why don't you just get it back if you're God? You see how, how wrong thinking is totally in contradiction to the whole Bible. It really is. When people have this vision, this idea of God that he does anything he wants at any time in any way without you know, any qualification, then all of this is unnecessary. He could just snap his fingers and all sin is gone. 
And all evil is gone. But if you know the word, it doesn't work that way because God is a just God. Remember, he gave dominion away. Romans chapter 11 says the gifts and callings of God are are irrevocable. So he couldn't, by his own word, he could not just go in and just take everything back. And to say, okay, now I'm giving it to you. See what you do with it. He had to legally retrieve what Adam gave away. So that's the whole process of the sacrifices and, and, and the Old Testament sacrifices and Jesus being a fulfillment of the prophecies and him coming to legally get back what Adam gave away. Amen. So let me show you this, this principle of timing. Okay. Again, we see this in glimpses here and there, but these scriptures are very you get a couple of them, and I think you can easily make a case for what I'm saying, all right? You can, be, you can be the judge of this. Here's what I mean when I said God gave dominion to mankind for a period of time, or that it was limited in scope. And, and, and one of the things that happened in Jesus' ministry one day when he crossed the, the sea there and came into the region of the Gadarenes, and there was those two dudes, the two naked dudes in the, in the tombs, remember? Demon-possessed. I don't know what they were doing, but demon-possessed, crazy. And he goes over there, and when he shows up, there's immediate manifestation, okay? Sometimes when the anointing is, is present, God is present, the power of God is there, the devil freaks, yeah? Don't let it freak in you today. Sometimes, sometimes even here, the glory of God will start manifesting. Some people respond and they get set free. Others run. They run because it's uncomfortable, you know, it's like in the, in the book of Acts when there would be either a riot or a revival. They'd preach the word, and some people would freak and throw stones. And other people would say, ah, what do I do to be saved? Okay, we choose the response. But if you ever get agitated on the inside a little bit, <laughs> you'll get a little bit crawly and stuff in a service like this, what we're doing. Uh, slow down now. Slow down. Say, what is that? Because it's God rescuing you. It's God trying to get through to you and possibly set you free from some, some things, whether it's wrong thinking or some, uh, even some oppression in your life and the, the, the temptation to just bolt or to be distracted or to pull out your phone and say, you know, this is uncomfortable. I'm just not going to listen to this or something like that. Watch out. Watch out. The devil is a master of distraction. He wants to get you out of a place where your freedom comes. He totally is working night and day because he can't stop the power of God. Only thing he can get us to do is to bail on God's plan, is to remove ourselves from hearing and from being associated with what sets us free. Hallelujah. By the way, I didn't plan to say any of that. So so, some individuals are probably dealing with that today. Amen, 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 amen. You don't have to tell me who you are. Um, But in Matthew chapter 8, let me read this to you. In verse 28, when he had come to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Isn't it interesting what they knew? They knew torment was in their future. They knew judgment day was coming, that their rebellion against God was going to cost them. They knew, but they also seemed to know something else. They knew it was too early. Well, Jesus, what are you doing here already? 
You son of God. (laughs) What are you doing here already? You come to torment us already? They knew something about a time frame. They knew something about a time's up moment that's in their future and Jesus was there too soon. How many know Jesus really wasn't there to torment them? He was there to set these guys free from their torment. Yeah, But they knew that there was a, a time frame. What is that? That's the time of Adam's lease. It was, we don't have the exact time, but we, we estimate, but several thousand years, this, this delegation, this dominion delegation to mankind that was transferred to Satan, he has the right to rule for a period of time. See what's going to happen soon. I think it's not too far away. Uh, but Satan's going to be bound up with a big chain. Scripture says in, Re- in the book of Revelation, a chain, and he'll be cast into a pit for a thousand years. Yeah. So that time is coming. It hasn't happened yet. He's still here now. Say, so what's he doing? He's walking about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. So the hardship, the destruction, all this stuff originates with the devil. I know sometimes our own decisions cause our own problems, but we're all, he's trying to influence all of us to make those wrong decisions, to keep truth away from us, which keeps freedom away from us. But Satan is walking about. He's doing these things today until that period comes. Uh, but I, I, let me remind you of this. We read last week 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. And remember it says, uh, put that up, uh, whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe. So present day unbelievers are that way because they're blind to the truth. But here's the phrase, God of this age. You know, King James Bible translates it God of this world. But really the Greek word age is a better translation. It, it denotes a specific period of time. So when, when Jesus was calling Satan the ruler of this world, the God of, uh, Paul call, called him the God of this age, he's saying the God of this age. There was a beginning to it, there's an end to it. All right. So you put these different things together and you can easily come to see that, that Adam's lease on the planet or his dominion that was delegated to him was not permanent. God retained ownership of planet earth, but delegated it to him. And that's why we still have Satan here on the planet today. Now, oh, there's good news for us. I mean, this is not a totally bummer, bummer message. Uh, <laughs> let me leave you in depression for a week. Less, next week, we'll tell you. <laughs> but this is why we have scriptures like 1 John 5.19, okay? NIV reads this way, we know that we are children of God and the whole world is under the control of the evil one, okay? You see how, you see how that's different than God is in control? You see why we can't just blanket statement that, uh, that, that phrase like many Christians are taught to say? When you don't understand something, just say, well, God's in control. I can't say that. What about this verse? And the myriad of other ones we've already looked at. There's, there's, uh, there's an influence of Satan in this world. He's controlling the world. Now, that doesn't mean he's controlling you. Doesn't mean he gets to. Doesn't mean he has to. 
But it does show us what's happening in the world today, how he controls. But let's, get to, let's finish with a little bit of good news today. <laughs> because you know how it goes. It went from God to Adam to Satan to Jesus to us. All right. So I say that again. God to Adam to Satan to Jesus to us. And ultimately, he will uh, retain all power and authority. But uh, the scripture says this. Go to, go to one more place with me, if you would. Colossians chapter 2. Sometimes it's better if you can see these in your own Bible or device. At least you can find them again. If I put them on the screen, I know how that works. If you're taking notes, good for you. You're superior to those who are not. <laughs> in Colossians chapter 2 notice with me in the, in the 13th verse it reads here and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh meaning out of a covenant he has made alive together with him with Jesus having forgiven you all trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us which was contrary to us and has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Let me draw your attention to three things that those verses just, just told us that Jesus did for us. Number one, he forgave us of all sins. Not some sins, not the big ones, not just the little ones. He forgave us of all sin. If you've received the Lord Jesus, you should thank him regularly. Every time you think of it, thank you, Lord. I've been washed clean. I've been set free. I've been forgiven of all sins. Well, I have some unforgiven sin in my life. Not if you're in Christ, you don't. Amen. Now, if you need to make a, a relational declaration to him and clear the air with him, do that. Thank him for the blood and so forth. But he said he did this. He forgave us of all trespasses, all sins. Secondly, some, the second thing he says Jesus did here for us is he removed the law. That is referred to as the handwriting that was against us. The law and all its rules and regulations basically condemns everyone. Because no one lives perfectly. No one fulfills it all completely. Jesus is the only one who did. All of us have, fallen, have come short. All of us have missed God following those commandments. And if that's the rule and the standard by which we are accepted or saved or embraced, then we're all coming short. So what did Jesus do? He forgave us of everything, and then he removed what was condemning us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now there's no, 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 I don't mean he got rid of the law. He just, he just moved it out of the way. He just, that's what it says. He moved it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, saying, I fulfilled all that. Amen. Hallelujah. And so now we, we, walk, we walk with the Lord based on his work instead of our work. Amen. And the third thing he said here is he disarmed principalities and powers. Oh, this is shouting ground, I tell you. He disarmed. What, what, what does that mean? You go to a fight, you're up again in a battle, and one person has a weapon, and the other person doesn't. Yeah. yeah. He disarmed. If your enemy has no weapon, and you do, what's the struggle? You know, what, what's, the, what's the battle here? This is what he did to Satan. So when did he do that? 
Well, when he died on the cross, gave his life for, for our lives, and then that time, we don't know everything. I don't want to go into this in great detail, but from the cross to the throne, he did some business. And one of the things he did is he whooped Satan. He went back and took away from Satan what he had taken from Adam. He went back and he did damage to him. The, the, the language here is he made a public spectacle of them. Okay. In short, in their day where when nation would conquer nation, when they would conquer a nation's king, they would take that king, instead of just killing him, they would humiliate him. They'd march them through the middle of their city, and they'd take all their insignia and all their, their badges and all their honor and their, their king stuff <laughs> and just strip them of all that stuff. And now you're, you're down to nothing. You have no power, no control. You have lost your place. When Jesus did that, in essence, what he did, he stripped Satan of his power, and now he had no more authority to do what he used to do. Yeah. See, it doesn't look like he's done that. I mean, again, look around. Look at, all, look at the world. Look at all the problems. It sure looks like Satan's still having his way. And this is the... I'm getting ahead of myself. But this is the way that this works. The things of God, the things of the Spirit are given to us, but must be applied. We've been authorized, but we must know that we are. What this does when we know it is it changes our entire demeanor. Our attitude towards life and even towards problems is no longer we're whipped, we're victims, we're out of control, I, don't, I can't do anything, Lord, come quickly, just take me to heaven. It changes it when you know this. Satan knows that you know it, and he's the one walking around like a whipped pup. He's the one embarrassed. He's the one who's been put to an open shame. Jesus did this for him. And when you know who you are and what you have and what God has authorized the church to do, then you stand tall. It's not, a, it's not a standing of arrogance or pride. It's one of great gratitude to the Lord, but now I know who I am. Now I know I've got, I've got the weapon. Satan doesn't have one anymore. Are you coming after me? <laughs> Double dog dare you. You, you whipped, uh, you know, loser. Yeah. And I don't mean that our criticisms will do a whole lot of damage. <laughs> but our attitude does. Our attitude of confidence and boldness in what Jesus has done for us, we are dealing with. If you are dealing with disease and sickness or poverty or strife in your home or depression or anxiety, all these things are not from heaven. They're a work of the enemy. They're a work of darkness. They're because of Satan's rule in the earth. But when you are, if you are a child of God, you've been born again by the Spirit of the living God, you've been now put in a place. You've been authorized to stand, to win, to live victorious in this life. This is who we are. And if we know that, all of a sudden, I'm not, I'm not just a whipped animal. I'm not just a defeated foe. I'm not just begging for God's uh, rescue. No, I'm acknowledging what Jesus already did for me. Hallelujah. See, Revelation uh, chapter, chapter 1 and verse 18, Jesus says here, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Well, where did he get them? 
He's pointing to, I was alive, and then I was dead. I'm alive forevermore, and I have them. That's where he got them. He went and took them back from the devil. The keys of Hades and of death. He's got the keys. What does that mean? Satan doesn't have the keys. He's keyless. <laughs> Amen. He doesn't have the authority any longer. Keys give you rights. They give you access. They give you ability to go and do things that you can't do without them. And uh, Satan no longer has them, but Jesus does. And he handed them over to the church. Praise God. This is why, why we can go right back to the beginning and read Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What do you mean has been given? Not to be too redundant, but he didn't have it. Otherwise it wouldn't be given to him. He didn't have it. Why did he not have it? Because Satan had it. And it was given to him. How? This is through his work of redemption. And he came out with the keys. And that's why he now says, you go, you go, you go, you go. You go in my name. You go in my authority. I have authorized you to carry out my will. You'll not be afraid of anyone or anything. You'll tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And the believer who recognizes their place in Christ and knows that this is not of my own working or of my own doing, but I am simply being who he's called me to be. We're not trying to, trying to get something we don't have. We're trying to get our brain caught up with our spirit so we can just be who we are in him. And this is a victorious life that many miss out on because they think it's up to God. They think he's going to make it happen or it's not going to happen. How about he has made it happen and I'm going to walk in it. If this makes you nervous, you're saying, well, we're our own master then, we're our own Lord. Absolutely not. Salvation is confessing Jesus as Lord. Like I said before, we're just in the driver's seat taking direction from him. He says right, we go right. He says left, we go left. He's our constant guide and the Holy Spirit is our helper. He, he's our navigator through life and whatever he says go, that's our submission to him. But in that context, we're the boss in this world. And we've got to exercise it, you guys. We must. It is not just about us being a good person, bad person, good Christian, bad, good relationship with God. You know, sometimes people think, yeah, I need to pray more because my prayer life has been lacking. My Bible reading has been lacking and I just need to be more committed. For who? For who? What's the end of that? Often all we're thinking of is, well, so me, so I'll have a better life. So I'll be closer to God. Listen, that may be true, but this is, this is legal business that we're doing in a kingdom. My prayer life does not just affect me and my intimate fellowship with the Father. My prayer life affects who I'm praying for. I'm already saved. Many of you are. It's like if you died today, you're laughing. You're going to heaven. There's a whole bunch of people who aren't. So we need to take our place of authority in God's kingdom for their sake. Because there's something about this kingdom that God doesn't get everything he wants. He tells us to pray. 
If it didn't matter if we prayed, he wouldn't tell us to pray. Someone prayed for me. Some people still pray for me. Some of you pray for me. Uh, Bless you. (laughs) Your prayer life is not just for you. It's for others. And we're in a place. We're in a city. We're in, in Idaho. We're in a world right now that desperately needs people, the people of God who know what, they're, what they've been given charge to do, for them to speak, for them to pray, for them to rise up and take their place. We can make a difference, but not if we're just sitting back passive and, well, it's whatever the Lord wants to happen. Quit. He already told us what's, what he wants to happen. He told us he wants everybody saved. He told us to spread his word. He told us to, to love people. He told us to, to pray. And if we'll do that, we are in submission to him and we are authorized to go forth in his name. Amen. And this, I tell you, our world needs us, doesn't it? Our world needs us. Amen, amen. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for working in us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit working in us today.